do not be afraid. Again, do not be afraid. These are the words of the angel to Zechariah, announcing that John the Baptist will be born and that God will fulfill God's promises of centuries ago. I sense, though, that these words of do not fear are words that we too, 2,000 years later, need to hear once again. Recently, a friend of mine, real, let's be clear, his wife gave birth, and uh, she's the one that did the effort. She'll get the credit there. Um, but like all young parents, they're tired, they're cranky, and they're fairly afraid that they might mess up this whole thing called having a baby. So I called up, and I wanted to offer more than just a simply text. Again, I wanted to, again, congratulate. And uh, 15 years ago or so, they visited uh, us when we had had our first child. And, and so I wanted to say, hey, we are happy to, to visit. And my friend was, was very appreciative, but then my, my friend let me know that, in fact, his parents had not yet come to visit. And his parents had not yet come to visit because his parents had been watching the news and they had heard about all of the various strains of this and that going around and they, they didn't want to infect the child. So I took my cue that we weren't going to be going anytime soon. But my friend then began to expand this and my, and my friend then began to share with me the vaccination schedule of their child. And it became clear that, that they were not going to be receiving visitors until a significant number of vaccines had been, been administered. And I thought to myself, wow, what life on the other side of the pandemic? That's not a set of fears that my wife and I had when we had our children, as many other fears as we may have had. Do not be afraid, the angel says. Again, there are so many reasons why we can be upset and concerned and, and afraid in this world. About two weeks ago, I received a letter from a concerned citizen imploring all the churches to be upset about what was happening in our public schools. That Christianity was, was under fire. And what were we as churches going to do about it? And as I, I read the letter, I had so many emotions as a father, I clearly care about what happens with my children. And I do have concerns about the safety of our children in our schools and the influences that they're subjected to. I'm also painfully aware of the secularization in our culture. It's part of the reason why I became a pastor. I just began to observe friend after friend of mine who, who wasn't involved in a religious community in spite of the fact that they were so hungry for the hope, love, peace, and joy that Jesus Christ had to offer. And as I, I read this letter again, my, my initial empathy, though, turned to, to real disgust as I, as I just read more, and there was such anger, such meanness, such derision, such mocking, so much anger, and so much fear. And it occurred to me that, that for those outside the church, that if they perceive that we are offering a, a plate of anger with a side of fear and a glass of bitterness and a dessert called nastiness, they are not going to join us at the table. And they are not going to come to know a loving relationship with Jesus and fellowship with the church. But as I thought about this, this letter and this conversation, it just dawned on me, it occurred to me how much fear we're saturated with. I think since really since September of 2001, 
It's just been a nonstop stream of, of why the world is going in the wrong direction. Six years ago, right, that just kind of turned itself up two elections ago. And then the last three years, day after day, night after night, all we have read, all we have heard about is all the reasons why we should be afraid, why we should be trembling. My brother even jokingly referred to it as doom scrolling on his phone. Again, to learn yet one more reason why the world should have ended yesterday. Now, I suppose I, I could have gone for some, some per, perhaps less triggering examples. But I wanted to be specific, and I wanted to name things that I think many of us are concerned about. Many of the reasons why we actually do have fear. Because the angel today, when the angel comes to Zechariah, the angel does not talk in platitudes. Again, the angel today does not talk in platitudes. The angel specifically addresses the concerns that Zechariah had. What are Zechariah's fears? Well, the first is that he has no heir. He has no child. What would become of his wife if he were to die? And what happens? And the angel says, no, you will have a son. You will have a son and you will name him John, which in Hebrew means God is merciful. Zechariah also lives at a time when, when he lives as an under occupation, outside of the temple where he worships our Roman soldiers. The taxes he pays are to the emperor in Rome. And the nation that he lives in, the tribe of, of Jews, is this faction of alliances that are smoldering. And eventually, within a century, will, will overflow in rebellion, in violent rebellion. Again, there were all sorts of reasons why he would be concerned about the fate of his people, about the de direction of the society in which he lived. And God, though, addresses those fears to the angel and says, do not be afraid, for there is a new day that is dawning. I bring you a news that, that the whole people shall rejoice, for your child will be the long-awaited Elijah who will herald, herald the Messiah, herald in the new age. So I invite you on this day when the angel begins to address the specific fears of Zechariah, I invite you to consider what are the fears that you bring. Now I didn't ask you what are the fears of other people that are irrational. Those are quite easy, right? All of us have had the joy after Thanksgiving of going home and deciding that everybody else in the world is crazy, right? Including my own family. But I'm not asking what fears other people have that are not warranted, but what fears in your own life are guiding your ways, are clouding your vision. Now, you might respond and say, but pastor, I think, I think a little bit of fear is a good thing, right? I mean, when, it, when there's a red light at a traffic, I, I, need, I need to be afraid. I need to stop. And this is true that a little bit of fear is good for ourselves as individuals, and it's necessary sort of for the mutual preservation of our species. But I think this scripture from Luke gives us a litmus test of when our fears have, have moved from something that is biologically necessary to something that is spiritually an obstacle. And, and what happens is that the angel again says to Zechariah the, the sweetest words that any of us would want to hear. Your prayers have been answered, and I'm bringing you a news for you that is joyful and for the whole people. You couldn't have asked for, for better and more glorious news. And, and Zachariah is even in the temple praying. 
And what does Zachariah say in response? Zachariah proceeds to look the angel and say, you don't understand human biology, Mr. Angel. I'm old, and so is my wife, so your plan isn't going to work. Zachariah had spent so much time on his cell phone and so much time listening to cable news that he could no longer hear the good news. His whole framework had been so clouded, so covered over in fear that he literally could not see the angel before him. He could not hear the words of God's new day dawning. Again, so crowded and so covered over was his heart. This is when fear moves from a biological necessity to a spiritual hindrance. When it begins to block out our ability to hear and to see good news in our lives. And so that is my question for you. What fears do you have? Maybe it's, it's something that somebody gave you a phone call about, a, a family or a health crisis over the break. Maybe, maybe it's, again, it's some headline or some series of headlines, some crisis out there. But, but what are the fears that, that, again, have moved from a biological necessity to a spiritual hindrance where they are blocking you, they're clouding your vision from seeing and hearing the good news that God is up to? So what does this angel do, though, with Zechariah and Zechariah's fears? Well, the angel decides that Zechariah needs to stop talking and to start listening. The angel realizes that, Zechariah, you didn't compute anything which I just said to you. So you need to just stop talking and replay this conversation about a million times in your head until it starts to, to work its way down. It may seem at first like the angel has lost his temper. I don't think angels lose their tempers with humans. The angel is rehabilitating Zachariah. The angel is giving Zachariah the medicine Zachariah needs. And if we move ahead and you come back in three weeks, then we can get to a joyful song of Zachariah where Zachariah has been set free and transformed. But at this point, again, Zachariah needs to, to listen. My sense is that when it comes to the fears we have, yes, indeed, we are invited this Sunday, as always, to hand them over before the cross and, and ask God to, to overcome our fears. But I think part of what we're called to do today is to, to sort of start taking some medicine, start doing what Zachariah did, and enter into a season of, of listening. Advent in these weeks before Christmas, and I want to offer for you, admonish you that this is a season of listening. And sure, we are supposed to be concerned about all the terrible things happening in the world, but let the church calendar, let the liturgical calendar give you a break. It's okay to take a few weeks. The same news headlines will be there a month from now. And it's okay to take a break and to listen to the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord that says that God is doing something new. So at this church, we're going to offer you sort of a do not fear kit. And that's going to be a little advent wreath. Right? Get your candles, get your greens, take a breath, light a candle, say a prayer, sing a song, read a scripture verse. We also have this beautiful devotion written by members of the church 
and because it's 2022 and we're cool, we even have our own Spotify playlist to go with it all. We could not have made it easier for you. I know it's a busy time. I know it's easy to not listen, to get caught up, to get sucked in. And it's easy to blame the media for exaggerating all the fears. But you know what? I want to break this to you. You're in control of what media you consume. Let me say it again. You are in 100% control of the media that you consume in the next four weeks. It's your choice. It's your choice what you feed yourself with. And as for me in my house, I, I want to feast on the word. I want to feast on the word of hope, love, joy, and peace that Jesus Christ has to offer. Now, normally at the end of a sermon, I like to kind of wrap it all up, but I don't want to sort of fully wrap this one up because I want you to get to unpack it. I want you to get to explore and dwell in and listen to the word that won't just be about John the Baptist, but will be about Jesus, the one who is coming not only to be born, but to die and to rise. The one who is coming to bring salvation for you to win over your fears and to bring salvation to all of the earth. Amen.